If I asked you, what do you think is one of the biggest barriers to people not truly believing they can build their life on their terms? I bet the first thing you would say is money. Well, money is definitely a big consideration, but I don't think it's the only thing. And in today's episode, I'm going to challenge you on that assumption. Ready to debate me on that? Hear me out first. Let's go. Welcome to the Fab Life Project Podcast. I'm your host, Amber J. Adams. This show is all about asking the questions that challenge us to elevate our lives while also having the conversations and discussions that empower us to show up as who we really are. We're on a mission to help millennials live courageously and intentionally. Let's get it. Hey everybody, thank you so much for coming back to rock with me again on this episode. Super excited for this one, actually. Um, I think that this is going to push you to do a little bit of thinking. And that is really what I am always, always, always aiming to do. So in the intro, I said that I believe prestige not necessarily money. And I do believe that money is a big thing that stops people or, you know, kind of really gets in the head of stopping people from doing things and making changes that they want to make. But I'm going to venture and say that prestige, specifically the perception of prestige or the perception that people have of you is actually one of the things that stops a lot of people in their tracks when it comes to making some big changes that kind of jumpstart their lifestyle design journey or that really, you know, causes a little bit of a blockage, a little bit of a pause in really moving forward to do some things and do some things on your own terms, the way that you really want to be living your life. So let's get into it. So the perception of prestige One of the things that, you know, I can't skip around and I mentioned money, but in relation to prestige, um, you know, our friend or old school legend, I guess you could say, uh, the notorious B.I.G. said more money, more problems. And I think that even if we don't necessarily have the financial means that lead us to being called Big Papa, chances are you still have some status quo trophies that you like to flex, that are signifiers of your prestige, that are signifiers of, you know, work that you have done, not just for the sake of doing the work, but also because these are key markers in our society of a successful person, of being perceived as a successful person. Um, So for example, I'm talking about things that are like the degrees that you have, Maybe it's your house, the job title, the name of the company that you work at. You know, the things that when you say them out loud, um, you pause so people can respond to it. Um, You guys know that I'm a New Yorker in this city. You know, when people meet you, they barely even ask you, what is your name? The first thing they ask is, what do you do? That's a big question because people are really using it to try to gauge who you are, 
but also what you can do for them, but how they should really regard you. And, you know, have to be real in this moment. Um, a lot of us, myself included, I have definitely fallen into this bucket at times in my life, really live for that response. We live for being able to, you know, say I work for so-and-so or I do X, Y, Z. And kind of our identity is really attached and caught up in, you know, these external things that lead to us feeling a little bit prestigious, um, really kind of feeling that social and class power that we over time uh, just really feel, I would say, not even just connected to, but almost maybe a little addicted to it to some degree. And so, you know, we can't talk about that without talking about the status quo. You will hear me talk about the status quo all the time. One, because I'm so fascinated. Um, my Speaking of degrees, my one of my degrees is in sociology, so I'm always kind of really into these social topics that really drive us as a culture and as a society, but also because the status quo really drives everything that we do. And I know we talked about this a little bit in the what the fuck or the WTF um, is lifestyle design episode. But if you think about it, we were really trained to be soldiers of the status quo since we were in kindergarten. So not only were we trained to uphold it, we were trained to act in certain ways to make sure that others knew they were also responsible for upholding it. So, you know, going back and looking at uh, status quo as a whole, we know that it's intrinsically linked to class and that class is all about perceptions. There are certain things that you as a person that we all do to signify that we are part of a certain class group and expect to be treated and perceived in a certain light. So this point in the episode, still pretty early on, because you know, I like to get in, do my thing and, you know, leave y'all with something to think about. Um, I would say that right now you're probably either nodding along with me or maybe you are frowning at me. And I frankly, I welcome both reactions. Um, and it's cool because my joy is to push the narrative and get you to think. So if you're frowning at me, it might be because you are wondering if I'm saying that all of the accolades are bullshit. That, you know, I'm saying, you know, the, the degrees, the house, all of these external material things are just complete bullshit. They aren't things that you should aim for, things that you should want. And I'm 100% not saying that. And I actually laughed because I was just watching the Kanye documentary. If you have not watched the Kanye documentary on Netflix, I'm going to say, you know, finish Tinder Swindler. Um, finish Inventing Anna, and then move on to Genius because it really was a good documentary and it inspired me to go back and listen to Kanye's first album and kind of relive that moment when I first heard it. And you know that album was called College Dropout. And if you remember, or you go back and you went back and listened to that um, CD as well, then you know that he had all of these skits about degrees, right? Basically making fun of being in a situation where someone upholds their degrees as the highest proof of them being a smart person and basically validating themselves against that. Um, so, you know, don't get me wrong. Education is important. And so is realizing your potential in whatever way that might be. But the thought that I really want you to ponder with me is asking yourself if the dependency on the accolades or the attachment to the accolades 
and the class acknowledgement could be in the way of you, or maybe it's even people that you know, could be in the way of us realizing certain dreams that you might have for yourself or challenging a status quo way of life in pursuit of something that looks very different, but fills your soul in a more powerful way. So I can't get into all of this and I can't like, you know, say I'm going to challenge you and talk about it and come here and sit down and just kind of step back and not, you know, tell a little bit of my story and how my thinking has evolved in this because I don't think that's fair. But I will say that, you know, I have personally dealt with this and felt the impact of the pressure of maintaining a level of prestige in my own life. So if you heard the last episode, you know that my Wodi, my word of the year is vulnerable. So here we go. Um, one story that you'll hear me talk about in future episodes is about how I took a year off to travel. You know, I took a gap year, um, a career sabbatical, and I basically spent all of 2019 doing whatever I wanted to do. And it was such a magical time. I traveled to nine different countries. I was able to spend more time with my family in Tennessee. And I was able to just kind of free myself um, from the corporate model, from, you know, that productivity that we always feel like we have to have when we're really, you know, working for somebody else. I was able to just really take a step back and almost reset my way of thinking, um, reset the way that I wanted to show up in the world. Like so many great and amazing things happened from this time in my life in 2019. But what I've never talked about really publicly or connected to, and this is like one of my first time saying this out loud, is that this was actually my second attempt to do that. This was my second attempt to escape corporate America, to go and be free, to go frolic and just have fun. And, you know, I have to say, or that story, why it's my second attempt is because the first time I attempted to live my life on my own terms, I failed. I failed massively. I (laughs) failed in a couple of different ways, I would say. But, you know, the year was 2011. What is it that the girl says on Golden Girls all the time? Picture it. Picture it. The year was 2011. I was burned out on my magazine job and frankly, just agitated with the way I saw this career thing playing out. I remember very early on in my career thinking and asking myself, is this it? You know, I I had that question when I was an intern and I was driven and I wanted to do good work. And I was really, you know, interested in what I was doing because I was working at a newspaper and, you know, my background is in journalism. But I remember very, very clearly sitting in my cubicle and it was a pretty spacious cubicle at the time. And I had a nice view of the mountains because I was still in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I remember thinking that I don't know if I can do this for years and years and years on end. Um, And by the time I got to New York and I was working in, you know, my first big magazine job in the city, I still had that sentiment. I, I did. You know, I remember looking around me and seeing, you know, that this was the year, really, I guess 2010 was the year because that was when I actually initially started the Fab Life Project. 
I remember looking around me and realizing that the adults that were around me um, looked a little miserable and a little jaded. And I also realized that adult careers went on for many, many years. Like if you think about it, when we do school K through 12, you know, I guess that's a good 12 years, but so much of that is completely out of your control. And, you know, of course, fun when you look back on it, but maybe everything is hindsight. But getting into the workforce at 20 something years old and kind of just coming into the realization that you're expected to do this for like the next 40, 45 plus years that was really shocking for me. It was really shocking. And this was at a time when, you know, people were still kind of coming off the recession and kind of feeling like the bottom had dropped out um, underneath everything that we wanted to do. And there was this sentiment going around of, well, I should just quit. I should travel. I could go do X, Y, Z. And, you know, the internet was, uh, of course, the internet was internetting and it was powerful, but we were just kind of recognizing that it had a little bit more power to help you really create um, life more so in the way that you wanted to live it, if you could harness it, right? So for me, I, I knew that, you know, um, this wasn't really what I wanted to do at the time. I felt like, okay, I'm young, I'm single, I don't have any kids. Um, and I decided that I wanted out. You know, I had always wanted to travel, but the time had never been quite right until now. So that I thought, I thought that was going to be the moment. And so I ended up quitting my job and doing some light traveling around the USA. But within a few months, I found myself back in New York City, scrambling to find work. And it was at this point that, you know, I could have made the decision to take a job that was less stressful, less demanding, just something to pay my bills with that bigger travel goal in sight. But I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And even the job that I got at the time, I actually ended up doing a temp job at a camera company where I worked in reception. And this isn't, you know, you had to have known me at the time. And even if you knew me at the time, I'm not sure I was fully transparent about what I was doing because I felt that this was so out of line with who I am as a person, but not only who I am as a person and what I'm capable of skills wise, but also that it was out of line with how I wanted to be perceived and viewed both in New York City, um, in a broader context. You know, you don't come to New York City to struggle. We all know that you do struggle when you move here, but that's not the way you wanted to play out, right? Like that's not the story that you want to have for people. And so it was very difficult for me um, during this time. And I found that my need to be seen as successful, to be seen as someone who was fully tapped in um, to my creative juices and in possession of a job that I knew would cast me in a certain light was really driving me during this time. And so at the time, I, I frankly, I couldn't bear the loss or what would actually maybe could have been, I don't know, a temporary loss of my status, um, of my perception, the perception that I wanted people to have of me as a successful person. I just could not part ways with that for an undetermined amount of time. You know, I was afraid. Um, I was really scared. I knew that, you know, if I came out on the other side of this thing, that if I was able to kind of like muddle through 
that, you know, maybe I would have a good story to tell and win some, you know, cool points, like we used to say back in the day. Um, but I didn't feel sure. And, and, and most importantly, I didn't truly believe in myself at that time, because one of the things that I have found now, um, as I've gotten older, had more experiences, et cetera, et cetera, is that that belief component is everything. And that belief component is what's really important in helping you to navigate beyond that space where what people think of you, how they perceive you, how you want to be seen by your peers in relation to the success that you believe, not only the success you believe you should have, because that can take on so many forms, right? But the way in which it should be perceived. Have you been taught that it should be perceived? Um, how it really blocks you from doing the things that you want to do. But at that time, you know, I was just suffering. It was it was not good. It was definitely a very um, kind of a dark time in my life that I really didn't share with people that I just kind of really uh, walked away from at the moment. So how did I begin to move forward? If you are, you know, sitting there and you're like, damn, this is resonating for me. Or maybe you're like, you know, asking yourself, how can you move forward? Like you're saying, okay, Amber, I get it. I hear you. Um, this is, this is, this is sparking with me. Like what you're saying about me being caught up in how I'm perceived or my identity being tied into my work in particular, it might be blocking me from doing something that I might want to do, whether that's, you know, quitting a job, you know, getting into an industry, taking off to go travel, which obviously I highly suggest everyone does. Um, those things, you know, you're thinking about, okay, how can I move forward with that? Because maybe you've established that, yes, there, there's something there. It's something that's resonating with you. So one of the things, um, you know, as I was thinking about how you can move forward, making the changes that you want to make. And then in my own personal story, how I was eventually able to move forward. Um, one of the big things for me was really finding other people or reading the stories of people who have made big changes, who are actively living in a way that is against the grain. So for me, it was going out and searching and looking for people that had a mindset or were having an experience that was close to what I wanted. Because if you are in that corporate environment, you are in an environment where everyone around you is just looks like they're just gunning and aiming for the same thing. You are going to feel, you know, a little bit either left out or like you're on the outside of that. And the things that you want deep down, they may not be able to um, drive you forward because you have that block. So for me, it was super important to be able to find people, to look for other people specifically, to build a community um, with people who also embodied or they were living the way that I dreamed of living or we were having those more open conversations about this. And I really hope to bring more people onto the show. I want to bring people onto the show for sure who, um, you know, inspire me and who embody that story because I think it's so important to be able to show people that there are just so many different ways um, to live life. And, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was on the road, when I finally did get on that road that second time that I struck out, and one of the things that I brought back is that, that there are so many different ways to live life, for sure. So another thing that helped me 
to move forward was working on a mindset shift around how I viewed prestige and power or how I viewed prestige and the power it had over me. Um, it was basically working on affirming, or I would say it's affirming, working on affirming your life for yourself, that no matter the circumstances or what people say, you still know who you are. Um, and I would say it's scary to both dig that deep within yourself and to recognize some of the blocks that you might have, that you might be coming up against because they can feel really big, but there's always something you can do. In fact, if you're interested in going on the first step with some mindset work, I actually have a free um, challenge on the fablifeproject.com. It's a seven-day mindset reset challenge. It goes through the steps that you know I took or finally took to reframe my thinking. And this is something that you know I hand out with joy um, to people who come across my orbit because I believe in it so much. Um, and if you're interested in that, fablifeproject.com. Mindset Reset Shift Challenge. Love it. Another thing that I did, and this is a big one. Like, if you don't remember anything that I've said today, and this is what you take away, we're at that takeaway portion of the show, um, is remember that only you know the depths of your story. Only you know what you really need, what is resonating or not resonating with you that that's you like only you really know that right so i remember and this wasn't too long ago i was talking with some friends um and one friend in particular and he was saying that you know like we were talking about job stuff and he was like you know amber i believe with your skill set and the things that you know and just what you bring to the table i think that you could be in a different job, making probably way more money than what you currently make. And, you know, I didn't doubt that person's comment. And I knew that their sentiment was coming from a good place because this was someone who, you know, was looking out for me. But I also know where I am in my story. I know why I believe that where I happen to be in my life right now is good for me and what I plan on moving forward. And this isn't something that this person could know. And it's also not something that I needed to really spend my time justifying. I just need to be able to say, thank you. That's interesting. Um, you see something, say something that's interesting. Let me know. But beyond that, also, I know where I am in this moment. And that's not something that anyone else outside of you can know. Now, it's up to you if you want to, you know, divulge details. That's your business, as Tab would say. That's your business. But you know your story, right? You know where it's going. And I think in those moments when you are making changes that feel a little bit unsettling, um, you have to remember or it's important for you to remember to feel really rooted in who you are, where you're going, and that belief that you will get there and that if anything happens along the way, and I think this is really one of the biggest things that helped me to especially kind of push forward even that second time when I quit my job and didn't know what was going to happen next after I traveled, that I had come into that belief because I had failed a couple of different times in a couple of different ways that I knew I could get back up, that when I fall down, I have no doubt 
that I can get back up. I don't know how long it may take me. I don't know how I may do it, but I know I can get back up. And that's super important, being rooted in that piece of your story. And the final thing, um, and this is also really important too, definitely a game changer in terms of how you think about this, is that you have to know not everyone will understand that you have declared that you, you are in charge of where your story is and where it's going. Everybody is not going to get that. They're not going to understand it. You may have people that feel a little bit envious of it. They're looking for reasons as to why you are making this declaration, reasons as to why you believe that you can be in charge in your, of your life that in you know, trying to basically not fill the void, but trying to come up with some type of excuse, some type of reason, something to point to as to why they don't feel that way in their own life. And it might come at you. And so you see all of this really comes together. It's all really kind of a, a circular thing here. When you think about the power of prestige and what that means, so the pressure of prestige rather, about kind of showing up as this person not necessarily showing up as yourself, but showing up as a version of yourself that is pre-approved. And that when you get to the place where you're able to let that go, because you know the next version of yourself is something that is way bigger, that's way more, um, can I use the word magical here? I think oh, I'm going to use magical. That's way bigger, that's way magical, that's more just evolved than where you are now, not everybody is going to understand that you have named it and claimed it and that you have said, this is how I want to live my life now. Everybody's not going to understand it. And sometimes you're going to have it where they want to bring you down or you kind of come up against that friction and that tension where you remember what it feels like to be seen in a certain light. And you're not there right now because you're in a transitional place, but you'll get back. Not that you'll get back. You won't get back. You'll get somewhere else that's more powerful, that is in a different light, that feels more aligned, not with how you want people to see you, but with how you are, because you're being seen for who you are, what you truly believe, and how you really, really want to live your life. Yeah. So that's what I got for y'all today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, if it resonated with you, you know I would love to hear all about it. I'm on all the social media channels. And more importantly, if this episode resonated with you and you're like, dang, girl, I need to share this with somebody. I need to like, you know, put this out there because I believe people should hear this or there are people you know who should hear this. Please share it. That warms my heart. Um, and it helps me out a lot because y'all know social media is like, I don't want to say boo-boo, but I mean, it kind of is, right? Like it's definitely hard to get eyes on the things that you do. So any way that people are able to help you out a little bit, whether it's rating the show, subscribing, sharing it, whole plethora of things, I really, really, really appreciate it. All right, y'all, I'm going to let you go off and be fabulous and get on the rest of your day. And remember that you have declared that you are in charge of where your story is going. You're running the ship, baby. All right, I will talk to y'all later.